How's it going today, guys? Once again, I'm back here live in the studio. Another episode of Hot Takes with TP3 today. I have one of our most usual guests on this uh, Tuesday, October 30th before Halloween, the day before. Say what's up, guys. Once again, at the Daily Degenerate Podcast, Cohen Hughes. Cohen, say what's up to the people. What up, everybody? It's the Johnny Sins of podcasting, Cohen Hughes. Coming to you live from Smyrna, Georgia, as Thomas Penland comes live from Kennesaw, Georgia. A lot happened today, Thomas. Oh, I know. I I was in the gym today, and everyone was blowing up my phone like, dude, Demarius Thomas. I was so I was playing basketball, so I had my phone on me for like an hour, and then I wouldn't check it, and everyone was texting me like, dude, Demarius Thomas got traded. Literally right after that, I'm getting the notifications. Golden Tate's on the move. The next thing you know, I'm refreshing Ian Rappaport's Twitter as many times as I can, as fast as I possibly can, to see what else happens and whatnot. By the way, I'm kind of surprised you didn't call yourself the Michael Rappaport of the South. Now you're the Johnny Sins. Are you getting yeah. into porn industry? Yeah, well, just because how are you fucking on y'all without without these fucking picks that i'll be hitting hey i love that i love that but no some of these trades were crazy today i mean we'll go ahead and i mean we're gonna start with our three takeaways obviously mine was mine was the texans didn't hit a sophomore slump with deshaun watson and they're eating and i mean to see what they did today they're only trying to make their team better what did you what were your thoughts on this trade um i really do like that and what was it a fourth round pick um yeah so yeah, that's that's worth the flyer on the rest of the year, or maybe a year and a half, or two years, or whatever, on a very mm-hmm. good receiver to help Deshaun Watson kind of space out the field and take some of the attention off Demarius or um, Hopkins. Yeah, and plus it was huge for them losing Will Fuller. He's a guy I had on my fantasy team. He just absolutely went off this last week. I was very hurt to see him go. Um, I think it's an amazing trade for the or for uh Houston but I also love it from a Broncos standpoint cuz Cortland Sutton's a guy I really really like and I mean he's absolutely balled out every single time I've watched him play in the league he's looked like everything they thought he would be and more so I really just feel like that they just kind of cleared out the cap I mean they got rid of a big contract cuz Thomas I mean yeah he's in the last year but he signed one of those huge 5 year hundreds or 700 or 70 million dollars there we go I couldn't spit it out for some reason one of those kind of deals but I thought it was a good move to get him out of there. It kind of opened things up for Sutton, a guy who's played well. So I was a big fan of the deal. But, I mean, I think it means the Texans are here to stay. I was hot on the Texans coming into the season. They kind of struggled to start things off. But my big straight sets. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're the hottest team in the league. I mean, Deshaun Watson just played his best game going 16 for 20 with five touchdowns. He absolutely went off. But my biggest thing that I kept on telling everybody, I was like, don't rule out the Texans. I mean, they played when they had their backs against the wall season on the line. They won, and they've won five straight in a row since. But the biggest thing was that all the three of those losses to start the season off were by one score. Yeah. Like, every single one of them was by one score. So I could never really have ruled them out. So... I, I like people. Them, like people me. ask me all the time, why do why do I like Bill O'Brien so much? It's because mm-hmm. he has coached directly under Belichick for multiple years. He's a savant academically of the game, and whenever he's coaching a football team, he's going to keep you in those one possession games, no matter who it's against. Like he's going to give you a great team. Like the way yeah, that he, exactly. he he preaches discipline, the way that he gauges analytics as compared to feel. Bill O'Brien is a great NFL head coach. I agree with you completely. I love everything Bill O'Brien's done with his team, and I think the Texans will keep on balling. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more here about trades before we get deeper into our three takeaways from this last weekend. Uh, what did you think were the – give me your best trade of the day beside, outside of that uh, Demarius Thomas deal. Um, best trade of the day. I'll tell you one trade that really surprised me was the Golden Tate trade, which mm-hmm. I I always can just kind of – 
I don't know. I, I, I could just always see Golden Tate being a lion just because of how their offense works. The shotgun offense where the ball is getting thrown 70% of the time, you know, like who, who, what receiver wouldn't want to play in that system. Exactly. Um, and I think it was one of those, ah, oh, he may not resign. So let's go ahead and get something for him while, while we can, but I'm not super committed that Golden Tate wouldn't have resigned. I think with the Eagles, um, having Carson Wentz, it, it, maybe he'll have some more scarce touches to a degree, mm-hmm. but, um, really I think that he hurt himself. Not by saying, hey, trade me, but I think his stock is now hurt from uh, playing for the Eagles now. But my favorite trade of the day was probably ha-ha Clinton Dix going from the Packers to the Redskins. They got a fourth-round pick for him for someone that probably wouldn't have re-signed, and that's going to be the same. But I think it's a horrible trade for the Packers. Uh, it well, well, for the Redskins, yeah. Like like for the Redskins, it's, it, it's, it's a really good yeah. pick. Because, I mean, you get – help where DJ Swearinger needs it the most. Um, mm-hmm. And you had to give out, give away a fourth round pick to get him. I mean, fourth round picks are flyers to me. Um, I think that a lot of Packers players won't resign at the end of their current deals. If Mike McCarthy stays on as head coach. So mm-hmm. from the Packers, yeah, they got rid of someone and got at least a, a, a pick for someone that probably would not have resigned, but I, it, it, it baffles me how you can get away with getting fourth round pick for guys, you know, like for, for good guys like that, like in, in baseball and basketball, mm-hmm. that, that shit doesn't happen. Like you're pretty much swapping equal money for equal talent or equal talent for equal talent. Yeah. Know? Yeah. No, I mean, I agree with you on that part. Uh, I hated that trade from a Packers standpoint. I mean, yeah, you're going to lose him in free agency. Yeah. He's not really having a great time in green Bay, but at the same time, if you're the Packers, you have to compete for a super bowl. I thought they made a great trade by getting rid of Ty Montgomery. I mean, I was absolutely pissed off on Sunday when he fumbled that ball. I think Aaron Rodgers was going to drive down the field, score the game-winning touchdown. You have to give him a chance. I was absolutely furious with Ty Montgomery and what he did in that game. He he cost them the whole game. I well, thought you had to get him out of there. It's even worse that, that the coaches told him, yo, kneel it no matter what, you know, like keep it in the end zone type, type things. That he, mm-hmm. just, he just went hella rogue. And was just like, yeah, nah, like I'm about to, I'm about to put the team on my back right here. Like my man, you have Aaron Rodgers. Don't do that. Yeah. Put the ball in his hand. Yeah. You're, you're down two. Yeah, I was Come not on. happy with that move at all. I will also say this, with uh, going back to what you said earlier about the Golden Tate trade, I thought the Lions won that trade by far, just because the Lions got a third round pick for a guy they probably weren't even going to try to re-sign. Oh, so, um, and he and he was outspoken saying that he was not going to re-sign. Mm-hmm, that's what I'm saying. So I thought it was a great trade. Trade got a uh, great trade for them. The trade that I liked the most today was the Rams going out and getting Dante Fowler. I think it just makes that D line even oh. scarier than it already was. Did you see what Melvin and Gordon I, said? What he said on Twitter was like, "God damn, how many players do they need?" <laughs> and, and 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 he's right. Like they're turning into the fucking Warriors uh, of, the, of football. Like it's a it's a miracle that they didn't beat the Falcons last year in the playoffs. You know, like mm-hmm. this year they're just turning it on. Like they're literally stockpiling great players. Oh, absolutely. And I love the move. And that's what this is. See, the reason why I love the move so much is not necessarily because they went out because they got him, but it's because 
they went out and they made their team better and they know they can win a Super Bowl and they want to do every single thing in their power. They can. I love it when teams do this. Like yeah. the thing that I'll never forget for some reason to me in sports, I'll never forget when the Nationals sat Steven Strasburg when I thought they had the best team they ever had mm-hmm. and they got bounced in the first round of the playoffs. That always to me will be the loser mentality. You can never say, oh, we have enough. We like what we have. If you always want to look to make your team better week in and week out, and that's what the Rams do. And that's why they're so good. Too many sports pundits and too many guys that are paid to do this stuff think about winning the offseason. And, yeah, that's mm-hmm. all That's all fine and cool everything, but I like what you said. Like, you have to win from day to day. You know, like, you don't win games on paper. You win them on Sundays and Mondays and Thursdays by playing the games and going out and getting guys. Who cares if it may cost you a draft pick here or there? Who cares mm-hmm. if maybe the, the process is interrupted a little bit in terms of draft day and the offseason signing pre- period and shit like that if you can sacrifice it where you have too much and get a hole covered that's a good that's a good football deal if you ask me you know like i'm not i don't i don't understand these people who like to hold guys in in football whatever injuries happen so much and so much tape is put out there like you you can get a new fresh face and get someone that makes your football team better and say to hell with this locker room culture oh a new guy could come and interrupt the focus of a locker room like i don't care what he interrupts as long as he plays on the field right you know Hmm. yeah i agree with you on that one completely i mean you gotta do whatever you can to make your team better no matter what it is no matter what the price is i mean i'll take a championship all day and have five losing seasons to come after that as long as you get the ring you know it's it's it's, it's, it's hard to win a championship a lot harder than people think but mm-hmm. I thought it was definitely an interesting trade deadline. I liked seeing all the moves. I kind of wish the Falcons had made a couple moves. But what was your what's your first of your three takeaways from this last weekend? Um, the first one's kind of a funny one. I uh, placed a lot of bets this weekend, mm-hmm. and on Saturday at noon, I saw a game that I was scrolling by. It was Nebraska versus Bethune Cookman. Did you see this game? Uh, I didn't have any action on it, but I did see the game. It was a 46 and a half point spread. Yeah, that was, that was, that was one of the biggest spreads I've ever seen. So of course I took it. I took Bethune Cookman, the 46 and a half. And I think Nebraska only scored 46 points. Yeah, it was 45 to nine. Yeah. Yeah. that, That was the easiest money I made all weekend. Jeez, yeah, I wish I'd, I wish I'd put some action on that one, unfortunately. But yeah, that's definitely a pretty interesting spread right there. Um, my, one of my biggest takeaways from the weekend is that the Panthers are legit, and I think mm-hmm. personally, like I've been really high on the Ravens all season long. I've said the Ravens are a really, really good football team. I felt like they were probably going to come out and win this game. They were plus three against the Panthers, but Cam Newton has been extremely, yeah, in Carolina, Cam, yeah, they're undefeated at home. They're undefeated at home. I didn't bet on that game, yeah, but yeah, no. they're undefeated at home. And my biggest thing about this about this season and why the Panthers have been so good is Cam Newton has 13 touchdown passes and four interceptions. Rather than last year, he had 22 touchdown passes and 16 interceptions. So mm-hmm. Cam Newton has played ex- a lot better. I think D- DJ Moore went off in this game, their rookie wide receiver. So I feel like the Panthers, man, you know, they're on track right now. And this team looks with really, new, really good. With they a new offensive me. coordinator? That's what that'll mm-hmm. do for you. With um, they got rid of Shula and brought in um, North Turner, isn't yep. that right? And that yes, they did. That that just opens up their playbook so more. It's not the Cam Newton mm-hmm. and Christian McCaffrey show anymore. You know, like last yeah. year, I, I could watch a Panthers game and it would be they would wear Christian McCaffrey out. He would if you had Christian mm-hmm. McCaffrey in PPR last year, 
God bless your soul. You had too many points. Yeah, that but, offense was. But this that year, offense is, this year they're they're actually finding the spread and they're actually finding ways to keep Cam Newton out of pressure spots that he has to try to play Superman to get out of. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they're doing a better job of protecting him and helping because yes. my biggest thing with Cam Newton is when you watch Cam Newton play, when he gets up and he's throwing the first downs, he's dabbing on you, doing all the other BS that Cam Newton does after every single play. He's in your head and he owns you. You know, he's talking smack. But if you go out there and you smack him in the mouth a couple times, he goes over there and sits on the bench, puts the towel cries. over his head and cries. cries. Yeah, and exactly. And that's what you have to do. Every single time I watch the Panthers and Cam Newton get his ass kicked, that's what happens is he sits over there on the bench and cries. But they They've done a great job, like you said, of getting other guys involved. Last year, I remember I was at the Falcons-Panthers game, and there was a Panthers fan talking smack to me, and I was like, dude, your offense is literally a joke. All you do is check it down to Christian McCaffrey or run the ball with Cam Newton. I was like, until I see y'all complete a pass to a wide receiver, don't say another word to me the rest of the game. And Cam Newton threw for under 100 yards that game. He was a mute. Yeah. Because because all they did was throw to Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like the last time this offense was honestly really good was when they had Steve Smith. Yeah, they went to the Super Bowl that one year, but the I said all season long, I thought that, yeah, the offense was a joke and that defense was stacked up. They just had playmakers all over the field for themselves at defense. So, I mean, like their secondary, Josh Norman and Charles Tillman were just going off that season. So I think Cam's done a better job of not turning the ball over and holding on to it, and it's made the Panthers a lot better team. Yeah, um, another takeaway that I had was the Cavaliers fire a Tyron Lue. Mm-hmm. And I'm not quite sure if you've heard about the coaching situation now, but as of a few hours ago, the Cavaliers came out and said that Larry Drew is their interim head coach. Mm-hmm. And then whenever the media asked Larry Drew about it, he said he wasn't the interim head coach at this time. Yeah. So the Cavaliers... I, I mean, it's it's about an hour until game time. I'm not quite sure how much has changed, but up until today at 6:30 p.m., they had they they still have a vacancy at, at at head coach. Larry Drew said that his him and his agent were talking to the Cavs about restructuring the contract, but nothing has been no agreement has been met yet. Yeah, so I actually uh, got a phone call from the Cavs a little bit earlier. They asked me to come up there and uh, coach the team. I'm actually running a little bit behind. I'm about yeah. to hop on the jet here in a few say, minutes. It's going to have to be a private leer because you, you got about an hour. Yeah, me and, me and Cohen will hold it down. But no, I think that's hilarious, honestly. And the Hawks uh, opened up at plus four. I've seen the lines already moved to plus five. If I were y'all, I'd go ahead and jump on the Hawks. I'm kind of embarrassed because I picked the Cavs to make the playoffs, but I'm not going to lie. I still think, I still think they can make the playoffs. I mean, I don't, I don't expect this is what I've been telling everyone. I don't expect that much about out of these rookies so far, like all these rookie basketball players in the league. I don't really expect anything out of them so far. Like if Trey young, when he had that, 35 and 10 game I was like all right like I'm I was really hyped about that because I mean these kids are 19 year old in the NBA you can't expect that much out of them their first like couple games playing against men like even Donovan Mitchell look at his splits Mm -hmm. he wasn't that great at the beginning of the season but after about I think it was like middle of December he just took off Mm -hmm. and didn't even look back once you get that footing and and you get a feel for the pace of the game Mm -hmm. if you have talent and you have confidence you can you can do that kind of thing and exactly. Honestly, you can kind of see a little bit of that from Trey Young right now. He's he's not afraid to throw it up. He's not afraid mm-hmm. to take charge and take most of the shots on a given night. That's that is one thing that does make the Hawks' future not bleak. I think um, I was at the game that they came back from twenty six down on opening I was home, home night, and 
man, Lloyd Pierce, I may have been wrong about Lloyd Pierce. I, I called him a nobody on my podcast, and I think that he may, he may, he may be a, a great little statistic coach. The way that he's, Look, had, a, think- he's had a, t- a team of nobodies, practically, except mm-hmm. for a few good young guys playing this year. And granted, they have had the easiest schedule in the NBA through their first six or seven games, but I mean, mm-hmm. really, like it's hard to win in the NBA with guys who have never been here before like this and outcasts like Jeremy Lin and Alex Lin, Dwayne Dedman, you know, like it's not easy to win with these guys. Not at all. And, you know, I, I, I like Lloyd Pierce a lot as a coach. I still stand by my statement. Lloyd Pierce is the right coach for rebuilding. But when it's time to win games, he will no longer be the head coach. It's a slippery slope for Atlanta teams. So, sometimes we keep around those guys for a little bit too long. I'm not looking mm-hmm. at Mike Smith. Yeah, Mike Smith stayed, stayed around for way too long. You know, I love watching him and Dirk Cutter struggle in Tampa. I call them the Falcons flunkies. Obviously, That's Mike Smith team. got fired. Yeah, it really is. They're a joke of a team. Um, one of my big takeaways, actually, from the weekend, I'll, I'll do an NBA one here. I, I'll, I'll go ahead and just say this week, why not, is Golden State pretty much just takes turns with who gets to go off. Like, I'm pretty sure those guys play rock, paper, scissors, shoot back in the locker room. Like, all right, oh, KD won. It's your turn to go out and drop 50 tonight. I mean, yep. we've seen Steph have some games this season where he's exploded. We've seen KD last night, obviously, it was Clay. I mean, Steph still had good stats last night, but like KD, I think he had 35 on when did they play on? Or you're into the Nets. So, I mean, yeah. that game is on Sunday night. So, like, these guys literally, they just take turns going off. It's well, not like, even fair how the, good the, they the are. The past, like, six calendar days there's been like four guys on the on the warriors hit like 35 40 50 points yeah like this is honestly what, f- fucking absurd at this point it's not even like i tweeted out today that my nba power rankings if i put them out today it would be the warriors at one two and three and then i yeah. might throw somebody in there at four if even that nobody's even close to no, them dude like honestly th- this is it's cool to see a, a, a good team like this a great team like this just mm-hmm. plaster over competition kind of like the alabama of the NBA. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I, I, I am ready to see like them in the playoffs, like whenever they get boogie back in the middle of the year and how they, and how Steve Kerr actually does manage all these personalities. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think everything will fit in fine. DeMarcus Cousins obviously wants to be there and get the ring. I think he's all bought in to their system. He knows that he might not be as much of a piece as he wants to be, but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing for him. I think he'd rather go out there and play less minutes and kind of, you know, because it helps him build up his stock. So if he goes out there, he's a good locker room guy. He plays well in his minutes when he's on the floor. It only helps but build his stock, if anything. On a one-year deal for very little money, he – if all goes right with him, somebody will sign him for the max, mm-hmm. and, and then he'll have a ring to show for it. You know, this is a this is a a true prove it year for him, and he did nothing but pull out all the obvious stops. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely there. Uh, let's go back here to a little bit NBA. Big storyline coming this week, obviously from earlier in the week. Browns fired. They parted ways with Hugh Jackson, their head coach. Did you think this was the right move? Um, I think it was the right move. The wrong time it should have happened in this offseason or the last one. Um, mm-hmm. I think um, there are a few guys because I, I actually kind of expected um, them to get rid of Todd Haley along with Hugh Jackson just because both of them were such a power struggle. Yeah. And I kind of like the morning that it happened, whenever they didn't even fire Todd Haley, and I, I texted Maddie and I was like, yo, like watch this be Greg Williams. The Falcons are going to hang 50 on them if if Greg Williams is the head coach. And then two hours later, they were like, okay, Greg Williams is now the new interim. So Jeez. I like it from a fact that the Falcons play the Browns in two weeks. 
but I also mm-hmm. like it for the Browns. Like, let's really go ahead and hit the reset button for real. You know, like let's not keep around yeah. any of these loose ends that I mean, because mm-hmm. because you watch Hard Knocks, it was it was a joke. Mm-hmm. Like it, it it was comic relief disguised as a rebuild. You know, like the the Browns sh- should be fucking six and two right now, but because yeah. of bad coaching, they are sitting at two, three, and one. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I agree. Right move, wrong time. It, it, it should have been earlier, but you know, at least it happened. Um, I don't think it was the wrong time necessarily. I think it was the right time. I think they gave Hugh Jackson a chance. I did watch Hard Knocks. I mean, I do agree with you he, that there's definitely some rough patches in there. But at the same time, I kind of liked Hugh Jackson. I was rooting for him to get everything on track. I really thought that he had a chance. I wanted to see him prove it when they actually gave him a quarterback. And I think he finally got his chance and it didn't work out. But I really think that what the Browns have to do is look what all these other teams have done with these rookie quarterbacks. They go out and they get these this coach who's a quarterback guru who develops them, you know, like an offensive coach. And it's just like it's like Sean McVay and Jared Goff is the perfect example here. Oh, and if I'm the Browns, and I know that I know Lincoln Riley came out and he said that he doesn't want to go to the NFL. But if I'm the Browns, I'm paying Lincoln Riley what ever it takes to get him out of Oklahoma. I think that system that he has is unbelievable. Like, look at all these mm-hmm. East Carolina wide receivers in the NFL. Justin Hardy, Zay Jones, or just two of them, for example. Who Chris, broke um, in Chris, CJ2K uh, was a running back for... Oh, yeah, East Chris Carolina. Johnson. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, look at these players. Like, they put, like, obviously these guys, CJ2K was good in the NFL. I don't know if he was there when Lincoln Riley was. No, was I don't think he was. Yeah, it was probably way too early, but... I just feel like that these wide receivers, you know, like Justin Hardy probably won't be on the Falcons team next year. Zay Jones was a bust in the NFL. Like this system that he has elevates these offensive players to so much better. And I just feel like Baker, yeah, it was his, it was his college coach. I think he'd work so much better with him. And I think this Lincoln Riley D offense can transfer over to the NFL with the way they pass the ball. Cause I mean, it, they still run the ball really well too in the Lincoln Riley offense. So I think his system works. And if I were the Browns, I'd pay him any amount of money to come to the NFL. Um, Lincoln Riley, um, does make sense with Baker and that would be a clear and obvious upgrade in my opinion mm-hmm. over Hugh Jackson. There are a few better guys that I would hire before Lincoln. Um, one name that's been popped up on the message boards on the internet is, um, Jack Del Rio. Okay. Some people feel that he got kind of an unfair exit from Oakland whenever mm-hmm. they wanted to bring in Gruden. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also seen Mike Leach, his name come up, and I would love that because I'm a I'm a huge Mike Leach guy. I don't think Mike Leach wants to go to the NFL. I think his system is more predicated towards college and getting kids to buy in, something that you can't really do at the pro pro level too much. Like it's more the, the players are independent contractors, and you just got to draw up the chess yeah. match to, to to win. Um, but I would I would like to see Del Rio get another chance. If you ask me, um, I think maybe. Um, Josh McDaniels is a, is a guy who makes sense. A quarterback guru, like you said, could go in and actually use a very academic and deliberate football approach to get the guys to get back to the fundamentals and play playing right. Um, mm-hmm. Other than that, I really don't see, I mean, I, yeah, I, I get it, it's the NFL, but I don't see too many established coaches running to jump at this position. Yeah, I agree with you on that on that part. Um, I personally think they need to go to college here and get themselves one of these guys or go get themselves an offensive coordinator from a really explosive offense. I think or I Harbaugh. think it's so cr- Harbaugh would be a good. good, a good yeah, player. he would. 
hey, that would be a perfect out for Harbaugh. But Me too. at I the same time, so we'll talk about it in the college football part or segment of the show. But I think Harbaugh could have a really good, you know, you know, like I, I think yeah. Harbaugh could be up to something here. Me so too. we'll definitely see what goes on there. Um, let's go. Let's um go back over here one more time to NFL real quick before we get to that college segment. Uh, let's talk here MVP race. Who's your MVP right now? Um, so far, I love Todd Gurley, but it's got to be Pat Mahomes. Just seeing how young he is, this is his first year in starting mm-hmm. extended full time action, and he is just making mincemeat of the defenses that he plays. Um. That's probably the AFC MVP. If I had to choose one from the NFC, I, I still don't think it would be Gurley. I still I think it would be um, Drew Brees. I think Ooh. Drew Brees is old, long in the teeth, but he's still just making a joke out of any defense that comes near him. Um, he just threw his first pick the other night on Sunday Night Football against the um, Vikings, a great defense. Um, I think I, I think Drew has made us all eat our words again for thinking that uh, maybe Drew Brees might be a little bit done. Yeah, I agree with you on that part that he might be making us eat our words a little bit again. But at the same time, I can't pick Drew Brees over Russell Wilson. I cannot. I'm uh, you know how I, I don't know if you've that seen is. my tweets or anything and how high I am on Russell Wilson, because just because I know you don't have Twitter. But yeah. dude, what Russell Wilson does to me is unbelievable. Like I it me is. and my buddy were going down a list the other day of offenses that we would take like weapons wise. Like don't look at your quarterback or offensive line, just pure weapons you have. Because I mean, so, Russell Wilson's Seattle offensive line last is horrible. on that list. Yeah, the only teams that we buns, their receiving chorus buns, they, mm-hmm. their best running back is who fucking Chris Carson. Like, yeah, get like out of here, you know, like, mm-hmm. like that's what I'm saying. Like literally yep. only the only offenses play or that I would take over them are the or that I wouldn't take over them are the Jets, the Raiders. Now that they don't have Coop anymore and Lynch yeah. is pretty much I don't even know what Lynch is up to these days and the Cardinal or I mean the 49ers. Those are the only three offensive that like have that I would not take their weapons over what you have right Depend, now. Depends like, like, with, with, with Shanahan coaching. I don't know. You know, like that's it's still a, a toss up. Uh, but I mean, I would. Yeah. I mean, she, the, with Shanahan coaching, obviously it makes them better. But yeah. they're like, I'm saying like the players in there, Marquise, all them. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much a toss up like it's. He gets no support. He Russell Wilson is the most disrespected player in the NFL. At one point in the game, he was ten for eleven with three touchdowns. Yeah, he's the Seahawks team with, is hot. They won uh, four out of their last five. Who is who's the new guy? So, Moore that's been making the catches for him. Yeah, he caught two touchdowns. Dude, I believe, like, yeah, or, dude, or just one. He's making college receivers and rookie, rookie, rookies look great. Look he, at what he did with Paul career. Richardson last year. You know, like Russell Wilson is a fucking magic man. Mm-hmm. And like the thing I always remember about Russell Wilson is these plays where he just runs around in the backfield for like 20. He just buys time until somebody gets open. Then he slings the ball down the field, hits whoever like you could say, oh, Doug Baldwin. He's uh, Doug Baldwin and none shit this year. Go check the stats. He didn't even have above. He hasn't broken 80 yards receiving in a single game this season. He hasn't done a damn overrated. thing. 
That's what I'm saying. I'm tired of it. I want people to put respect that Russell Wilson deserves on his name, yeah. and he's going to prove it over this stretch. I mean, he lost to the Rams. At, yes, it was at home, but by two points. Like, he almost beat the most unbeatable team in the NFL right now, but their schedule is going to be tough here. They pull it, They get the Chargers at home, then they play at the Rams, then they get the Packers at home, then at the Panthers, then they got wow. the 49ers, but then they got the Vikings at home, at the 49ers, then they get the Chiefs at home and the Cardinals. So, I mean, outside of a, those three games yeah, versus the 49 Niners and Cardinals. That is the absolute gauntlet. Every single one of those teams is hot right now. Oh, as hell. So, I mean, if Russell Wilson comes out of this thing and gets his team in the playoffs, if you think there's any quarterback in the NFL better than Russell Wilson, you are crazy if he gets his team in the playoffs. I mean, this roster is horrible. Their whole defense left. I was about to say, and and, and the defense is young as hell. I, I think Pete Carroll's message and his little, oh, hoorah, we love everybody kind of thing is starting to go stale. I think that it's good for the younger guys, but I think still some of the vets that they have have kind of gotten washed out from Pete Carroll's overall message and hoorah. So the fact that Mm -hmm. Russell Wilson has this squad in contention for anything, he's a gentleman and a scholar. I absolutely agree with you. I mean, I think Russell Wilson is purely bought into Pete Carroll's system. And honestly, look, I hate the Seahawks as a Falcons fan. That's a rival, but I legitimately think Pete Carroll's one of the best coaches in football. He proved he could do it at a dominant level. He won a championship at both levels, and he's been he's been damn good in the NFL. He's never really had I mean, yeah, I think he had that losing season that year they got in the playoffs. Yeah, he did it seven and nine when Marshawn Lynch had the famous Hold my dick. Hold my dick. You know, you remember the, Yeah, when he had that play, but I mean, I just feel like that he, Pete Carroll's a great coach. He makes some stupid decisions, but like we've always said, in order to be a good coach, you have to make some stupid decisions. But if you well, get the made, right, you're genius. If you miss him, you're like hundred miles an hour. You know, like he's making mm-hmm. he's making aggressive calls. It's not like he he's unapologetically himself, and you can't yeah. fault someone for doing that. And if anything, a lot of these coaches we see, like Mike Vrabel, for example, going for that two point conversion, or like uh, Frank Reich going for the uh, going forward on fourth down in his own area for the Colts, like an Andrew Luck underthrows the receiver, like yeah, those are aggressive play calls. But the thing about Pete Carroll is he actually gets them right, and I'll never forget that's this is why this is why to me that Aaron Rodgers is being wasted on the Green Bay Packers. He's being absolutely wasted. Mike McCarthy is a horrible head coach. He was absolutely out coached in that NFC Championship game when they lost lost when they lost to the Seahawks in that game the Seahawks got that onside kick solely because whoever was standing in the in front of the line was supposed to slam into the guy and they were going to let uh, I believe it was James Jones catch it instead he went back there and tried to fight James Jones to catch the ball and both of them missed it for that reason and that's yep. coaching right there mm-hmm. Pete Carroll he faked the field goal got a touchdown like that's coaching right there and that's why that's why to me I think Aaron Rodgers is getting wasted I think the Packers are absolutely wasting Aaron Rodgers talent in the best years of probably the best quarterback we'll ever see play this game. Yeah. It really it's, sucks. The the best throwing quarterback in terms of making plays. Um, he may not be the GOAT, but goddamn, he has some of the most amazing ability that I've ever seen in my life. I think him and Russell Wilson are the two most skilled quarterbacks to ever play in the NFL. That's just me personally. And I mean, Sean Watson keeps putting it together year after year. I was about he to say, let me see how Deshaun Watson does when he gets older. Yeah. Let me see how Pat Mahomes ages because Pat Mahomes can, is a side oh, I mean, there. Pat Pat Mahomes right now is the most talented player to ever pick up a football. Like we could be yeah. watching the next. Yeah. yeah. Like these guys are crazy, but I would say overall for the MVP race right now, I in mean, in terms you, of carrying Mahomes, his team, I think you may be right. I think Russell Wilson may have the nod a little bit. I've got to give it to Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes historically is having another one of those great seasons. You can't ignore that right now. His team has a better record at seven and one. At the end of the day, if Mahomes carries the Chiefs, if the Chiefs lose under three games, their three games or less. 
I, I, there's no logical way I could pick anybody over Pat Mahomes. I mean, he leads the NFL in like every statistical passing category you want to lead the league in. So yep. I don't see any way you can pick anybody over him at number two. I have Russell Wilson. And then I have Gurley at three. I mean, Gurley's top. He gets scored so many touchdowns. I mean, he leads the league in rushing yards. Mm-hmm. What he's doing is, and then after that, I have Drew Brees at four. Your guy, I put him right there at four. I mean, Drew Brees could easily jump Gurley though. I mean, yeah, the yeah. Rams I, are undefeated. I, I would say that, that I would have him switched. I would have Breeze then Gurley, but um, Drew Breeze has made me eat my words for another year in a row. And God damn it, I'm tired of it, dude. Like, is this guy going to be a 40 year old, five foot nine, just jugs machine, just distributing the ball like he is? Like, this is honestly kind of getting old. Whenever his athleticism runs down, he won't be as good because that's the difference between him and Brady. Brady sits in the pocket. Drew Brees uses athleticism. Uh, my reasoning, though, for having Todd Gurley over Drew Brees is the way I look at it is both these offenses are so, so, so stacked up with weapons that the Rams have the better record. They're undefeated. I got to give the nod here to Gurley. Um, that's that's just my reasoning. At number five, I have Matt Ryan and Deshaun Watson tied, but I can easily. Yeah, I could easily put Deshaun Watson over him. And I pitched Deshaun Watson to, and Todd Gurley. I said Deshaun Watson or Todd Gurley would MV, win MVP before the season. I thought Pat Mahomes, I figured he'd have games like he has this season, but I figured we'd see some games where he throws four interceptions and two. Me too. No I, t- I, I'm surprised that the wheels haven't fallen off the tracks yet on the train. You know, you know, like, you know if they had let him start last year, I think that's what would happen. But because he set out for so long, I mean, it, like, I, like the thing I'll always – love about watching the Chiefs on Sundays. I love seeing that when Andy Reid goes over there and sits next to Pat Mahomes on the bench. You just see the cameras on both of them. I'm like, that's what a good coach should do. Like Sean McVay, he'll go sit over there with Jared Goff. Like that's what the coaches do that put their teams to the next level. And these guys like, yeah, their defense is like the Chiefs defense is not very good. The Chiefs are just like, we're going to outscore you and you're not going to be able to do anything about it. And that's exactly what they've done all season. Andy Reid knows how to play that clock and he knows how to make decisions on the coin toss and when to go for two and when not to almost put his foot on your throat and step on it. Yeah, no, I agree with you there completely. Um, for time's sake, I know people don't want to sit here and listen to me and you talk for two hours because we could easily do it. Dude, I'm telling Let's you, move on here to college football. Um, we're in a podcast again later this week or sir. We would talk obviously for y'all about the Alabama LSU, but what's your uh, current final four looking like right now in order? My current final four is number one, Alabama. I think they're leagues above anyone else. Um, not even much to say. Maybe whenever they get to playing real competition, they could kind of show some flaws. But as for what I've seen right now, nobody can beat them and nobody will. Let's be honest. The only way anybody's beating Alabama is if Oklahoma and Georgia combine their offense and defense. And, and, and they, they play the split bowl where – they just combine their two teams and just let them run out there. And Alabama still will probably beat them. Honestly, now that I'm kind of thinking about it, like who knows? Yeah. Um, at number two, I have, um, sadly I have Clemson. Clemson's kind of made themselves look a little bit worse in my opinion than, um, I had them regarded as earlier in the season, but because of the LSU losses, because of the Georgia losses, because of the Auburn looking so underperformed, I have to put Clemson at two. Uh, I'm actually going to see, like, I agree with you with Clemson at number two, but I actually disagree with you of them underperforming. Uh, I really feel like that Clemson, 
that, you know, like when you Trevor Lawrence is coming in there as a freshman, Kelly Bryant's taking more snaps than you are with the first team. So he's more comfortable with them. Kelly Bryant or Trevor Lawrence gets thrown to the fire a little bit. I mean, he still blows out. He blows out Georgia Southern when he comes in. He blows out Georgia Tech. He gets hurt against Syracuse. That's the only reason why that game's close. He turns around and blows out Wake Forest 63-3. Then he gets the bye week. He gets more comfortable. You play your best opponent. You've played all year. NC State, and, this and, team and is good. Yeah, three or whatever. And the craziest thing about it is Clemson is one of the best running teams in the nation. NC State had a top 10 run defense and a top 6 passing offense. And they got run off the field. They then they absolutely – I've never turned off a Florida State game in the after the first play of the third quarter but when they ran that what was it like 50 yard run on us to start out third quarter I was absolutely done I was like I'm not watching this anymore like we were losing 42 to 0 at one point in that game or there was 45 0 at one point in that game they absolutely came into Tallahassee and embarrassed us which is what I expected to have happen because we've gone into Clemson a couple times and they've had highly rated teams and we've embarrassed them and ran up the score before I mean, we only deserve it. You know, it comes back to get yeah. you. So I actually disagree with you. I think Clemson, that Syracuse game was kind of like people thought they were limping, but I think now that Trevor Lawrence is comfortable, that this team is unstoppable. Um, and, and and to be quite honest with you, they were quite lucky that they didn't lose because the third string quarterback led a heroic mm-hmm. minute and a half, fourth quarter drive. Fourth and seven pass. Yep. Fourth and seven pass, um, secured it pretty much one of the damn game. Like that was one of the most, tense moments I've seen so far this year. I've, I had Clemson friends, uh, fans on my Facebook, like whining and complaining and crying the whole damn time until we completed that pass. So that's the, that's the way it is in the circle of life. Um, at number three, I do have Notre Dame just for right now. I agree. Um, I, me and Maddie called about a month ago that Notre Dame would probably be the number three or number four team. If they can keep winning and their schedule looks pretty easy the rest of the way. Easy. Um, where, where we come into trouble is number four. Part of me um, wants to play the the record game and the paper game and says, well, you have to give it to UCF just because they've won 20 fucking straight games in a row, you know, and they beat Auburn, even though okay. Auburn didn't want to play there, you know, like doesn't mm-hmm. really matter. If this is what we're doing, we have to have some sort of precedent and rule for winning 20 games in a row, kind of like Boise State. We had to give uh-huh. them the respect. We had to include them to the party. So part of me wants to say that. Part of me wants to say maybe – LSU, just because what they've done, Um, part of me wants to say, like, I don't know, maybe even, like, if Kentucky can keep winning, maybe include them to the party, you know, but, like, that this number four spot is going to be very highly coveted because there have been a lot of good, good, good teams, like Georgia, that have one loss, and we're going to have to see how they play and see if they can get the wheels back on the wagon. Because George is a very confusing team this year. They've lost some of their offensive identity. They lost uh, about a third of their talent to the off, to, uh, to the NBA draft or the NFL draft. NFL, yeah, yeah. Um, Georgia is is even on a week to week basis when they do win on, on when they win games against like Florida, when they win games against Tennessee that are kind of close in the second and third quarter. But you know they're going to pull away. They, it still takes them a long time in a game to find their offensive identity. Um, Kirby Smart's a great coach. I do see them continuing to win. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Kentucky upsets them or. You know, I don't see it happening. 
I can, I can see. I, mean, I don't it, think so. I it'll be a it. close game, but I don't think they can beat them. I will say this. Florida handed them the game on the silver platter. Felipe Flapjacks, as they call him. He might be the worst starting quarterback in college football. He turned the ball over a ton and handed it to them on a silver platter. Um, I'm not sold on Georgia. Georgia's going to get absolutely train wrecked by Alabama in the SEC. Like, oh, I legitimately gosh. think Alabama might beat them in the SEC championship in the, like 56 to 10. Like, it's going to be I bad. Doubt, I, don't, I, I wouldn't doubt that at all. To be quite honest, like, I'm you. not I'm not being a Georgia hater here or anything. Me neither, I'm me neither, I don't think anybody can look play that, with that. They just don't look that overwhelmingly good like they did last year. And mm-hmm. Alabama just looks even better. Yeah, I mean, I, like, dude, like you, you, you just took the lid off the fucking jar and just it's overflowing at this point for Bama. Dude, it's like when the Warriors got Kevin Durant with them getting to a like yeah, Alabama usually like, has this game manager quarterback. Now they have the huge playmaker quarterback. But I actually have as my number four team. I'm going to go with LSU just for right now, just because I feel like they have the biggest win to their name of any team in college football like so that. far this season. I like that J- just for now. And because their resume mm-hmm. really does speak for itself, you can kind of play that game early on in the rankings. Mm-hmm. But once we get to week 11 to week 12, you're going to have to start looking at wins and losses. Yeah, I mean, there's some good games coming up this weekend. Like we said, we, I mean, we're not really going to talk about it. Obviously, LSU, Alabama, something will figure itself out there. Michigan, who I, pro- I probably have Michigan and Oklahoma tied net in Georgia. Those are the next three teams right there. Michigan plays Penn State this weekend, so we at least get to somewhat see what they're made of there. I mean, Georgia plays Kentucky this week, so, I mean, Georgia can get another quality win if they can pull that one out. Yep. Um, Oklahoma plays TCU this week, but I actually, I mean, Texas Tech this week, I mean, Oklahoma has pretty easy, and I think they'll get their revenge on Texas if Texas is able to get there, but Texas is actually the team that I really want to talk about right now, and I think Texas was a big-time pretender. Oklahoma State was, uh, that was a bad mediocre. loss. Yeah, they're a mediocre team winning the game handedly. Yeah, I mean, they lost back-to-back weeks to Iowa State and Kansas State. Kansas State got blown out by Oklahoma. And I'll say this. I think Oklahoma gets back in the Final Four. And, you know, like, I've Kyler Murray's probably my favorite player to watch in college football. I've watched every game he's played as the starter. There was a play in the game where the ball gets snapped over his head, and he kind of scoops it up. He plants his foot in the ground to the right, then just takes off to the left side of the field. The defensive end was literally on his heels, misses the tackle, and he runs out of bounds 30 yards down the field. I was like, geez, this guy messes up, and it still looks good. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong that he can, he can do no wrong. No, um, and then... And the very sad fact of the world is, is that um, Kyler Murray probably will not play in the NFL. I've heard reports mm-hmm. that he will choose to go into the MLB draft. I've heard that as good of a football player that he is, he's even better at baseball. And the sad fact is the only thing that he can't control is the one thing that he's bad at. He is five, nine, maybe mm-hmm. um, MLB.com and NFL or NCAA.com, whatever the, the official bio uh-huh. is under half him at like five ten and five eleven. That's just not true. Like he's a he's a super he's a, he's like closer to five eight five nine. Yeah, he must have been standing on his tippy toes when they took yep. those measurements. But the, the only guy to have that. success is Doug Flutie. And do you think mm-hmm. Kyler Murray is Doug Flutie? I mean, I I don't. Uh, I mean, I think he's a great athlete. I think he's a great little quarterback. But I think he'll find more success playing football. Or baseball. Yeah, I mean, the A's already took him in the first round. There's more money in baseball. I think he'd be stupid to go to the to go to the NFL. Like, look at Aaron Judge, for example. Aaron Judge Judge made first team all like whatever he was out in California as a receiver. Same thing for basketball, but look at him. He's playing baseball. He's gonna make more money in baseball off one contract than he would in a whole career in the NFL. And it's the same thing for Kyler Murray. They're gonna make more money off that one contract. Like the one contract in the NBA or in the um MLB than they would in the NFL. So 
I think they're making the right move here to avoid the NFL. I mean, I love football, but at the end of the day, if I'm really good at baseball and basketball, I'm choosing one of those over football. It's, it's exactly. A cozy, it's a cozy lifestyle. Yeah, you report to work a lot of days of the year, but the games are pretty low impact on, on, on your body. And um, you're on TV the most days of the year out of any professional athlete. You know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's it's almost a no-brainer. Yeah, but also one last thing here before we move to the MLB. Um, like you said about UCF, I mean, I would love to see UCF get in here. I think they kind of deserve to, but at the same time, they're gonna. It's gonna have to be where like the the last seed comes down to two lost teams or non conference champions. I think at that point is when the absolute if UFC doesn't get in there over a non conference champion or a two lost team, then I'm going to be furious. And um, you're you're probably absolutely right. It'll probably have to come down to death or high water um, mm-hmm. before they get in. I would I would just love to see them get in for a very evil reason. I just want to see them get in and play Alabama the first game, four and one seed. And I just want to see Alabama beat them a hundred to nothing. Just to, just to, just to shut up these UCFers, you know, like because I'm I'm almost yeah. tired of seeing it. You know, like let's go ahead and put them in. Let's let, let, let's invite them to the party. Let's let them have their plate, and we'll kick them back down to the kids' table. Yeah, I agree with you on that one completely. Uh, I think UCF should only gets in that way, but I think this will lead to an eight-team playoff. I don't know when the con. I think the contract is either up after this year or next year when they can go year. to eight teams. Yeah, I think you are. I think it's after next year. So I mean, I would love to see. I think they will go to eight teams. It's more revenue. College football, we all know, think, is all about their money. It would be ten strictly because of the fact that you can have two, um, two bye weeks, two seats yeah. and buys. I no, I can I, get a buy. Yeah, no, I think no matter what way they do it, I think it'll be eight or one and two get by, and then the other teams play each other, and the next two play them, kind of like yeah, how they do yeah. in the NFL. So I think eight eight teams the best way to go. But let's move from here now to the MLB. Red Sox, congrats to y'all for winning the World Series. That was a big time win. Those, I mean, those World Series games were fun to watch, even though I felt like the Red Sox were in control the entire time. But this brings up a huge question here. This team won 108 games. I think that was the like eighth most wins of all time in a single season. Do you think this is the best team that we saw this decade? Yes, of course. I think this is the best team just because strictly the fact that whenever it came, push came to shove, Mookie Betts didn't have a great series. I think he hit 220. Um, Jackie mm-hmm. Bradley Jr. ended up hitting like 180, 160. He, he had timely hits, but not hits in bulk. And yeah. guys like Steve Pierce came up and hit, hit three mm-hmm. home runs just in the World Series alone in, in five games. Should have been four games. So the fact that the Red Sox stockpiled these guys like Eovaldi traded from the Yankees, um, I just feel like they they had the most talent and Alex Cora is going to be a great manager. Um, He doesn't do too much with analytics when he does. It's very time decision based and and it's very in the moment decision based. And um, the Red Sox, this was the most one of the most dominant teams that just wrecked through a whole year that went start to finish. Yeah, they lost to the Rays in opening day, but. They did, they they went from tape to tape, just crushed everybody. Yeah, so they had one three game losing streak and or, it was, it was or, sorry, two three game losing streaks, and I believe they were yeah, and they, they were one swept time. one time all season long. So by the Rays, yeah. So I mean, I, I thought this team, I I I thought they were good. I, they just absolutely ran through the entire regular mm-hmm. season. Like they started out so hot out of the gate, they continued through the second half. We almost went in the playoffs, and we we're like, oh, the Astros are better. The Astros will expose them. I mean, if anything, they expose the Astros. Yeah, they beat God, a team that I yes. thought was way better than them. So I thought, that, I mean, I think they're the best team of our generation. I mean, yep. not of our generation, but 
decade. The ML, or the, uh, yeah, decade. I mean, we saw some good teams. That, like the Dodgers made the playoffs every year since 2013. And I believe they made it back in 2011. So the Dodgers made the playoffs in basically every year, but two years in this decade so far. And you had the had that um, Giants team that won three times. So oh, oh, only on odd, I mean, years or whatever. Like the Giant, like that was so weird. Like it was like only like an odd year that they would they would make the playoffs. Like, other than that, they would have like 500 records. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying, man. So yeah. I just feel like what all this team did and everything that they were by far the best team. Like you said, they got the timely hits. I mean, David Price came up huge for them in the postseason. Chris Sale, all you know, this postseason for David Price after starting zero and nine. In previous yeah. seasons, he finally got, got it together. It was a pleasure to watch. Yeah, I felt like they dominated everything. Um, I thought Pierce absolutely deserved MVP. I love seeing kind of the unsung hero get it. I like seeing Mookie though hit that home run in the last game yeah, and hell yeah. to get his get shit back on track, kind of. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like seeing the best players play the best at the biggest stage. And Martinez did. Mookie didn't really. You know, I thought it was weird when Martinez missed that fly ball at first. Yeah, I was like, me too. Mm-hmm. I was a fan, though, of the way the Dodgers didn't lay down. When the Dodgers lost the first game and Kershaw got shelled, I was like, all right, the Dodgers are getting swept. Like, it's not even going to be close. But, you know, they didn't lay down. They that fought hard. That game, that was crazy. Mm-hmm. After that game was over, I was like, all right, Red Sox for sure win the next game. And what do you know? Red Sox are down 4-0, have come back and win. the game. They absolutely opened a can up on them in, yes, in late in that game. Yeah, they killed them. And then, obviously, the last game, they took Kershaw deep in the first inning. I was like, it's over. They still hit a home run. I mean, the Dodgers tried to be resilient. Yeah, I will yeah, get no. that. Puig, Puig plays what? hard. I like Puig. Um, I, I, grow, Puig. I, I grow to hate Machado every day because Machado doesn't hustle. Machado barely has any passion. At least he's he plays for something. Yeah, you know, like at least Puig is like an asshole, like like Lance Stevenson is. You know, like you can tell he has passion. He's a, he's a he's a troll, but yeah, like he does that for the gamesmanship. Yeah, no, I, I love players that play with that passion. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love the passion Puig plays with. Do I like Puig? Hell no, but I love the passion that Puig plays with. And I think he plays a lot of it. I was really mad at him for what all he was saying about the Braves going in that series, how he wasn't yeah, worried and all that. That's yeah. mainly the reason why I hate Puig, but. Mm-hmm. It was fun to watch, but let's uh let's move here now to the uh, just the three random questions I'm gonna ask you here before I let you go. Okay. Uh, you got any NBA action for the people tonight? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I have two parlays. I'm actually riding high on the Cleveland Cavaliers tonight. Um, playing for a new head coach, whoever it's gonna be. They they're they're not gonna start zero and seven, even though they started zero and six. So. I've got Cavaliers minus four against the Hawks who are actively trying to lose games. I didn't think the Cavaliers would go in that direction. So they're going to try to win tonight. Um, same parlay Kings plus five and a half over the magic. I mean, the magic are still a bad team. The Kings have actually yeah. improved personnel wise Pistons. De'Aaron Fox looks great. Yes, he does. Uh, Detroit Pistons plus 10 and a half. Um, I, I think they're playing the Celtics. Yep. So I think that'll be at least a single digit game and Toronto Raptors money line. And um, one more parlay that I have is Portland Trailblazers plus four and a half. Um, I forget who they're playing. Um, Clippers plus two against the Thunder. I like the Clippers to beat the Thunder for the second time again this season. The Clippers uh, role players and young guys have just been balling out this year. The Hawks should strive to be like the Clippers. You know, that's the best case scenario for young guys is the Clippers. Um, Wizards plus two against whoever and the trailblazers are playing the houston rockets and I actually have that game going to the over at 223 so that's okay. my two parties for the night 
I like that. I like that. You could definitely see some of that action hitting. Um, so obviously, for those of y'all who haven't said this yet, I, we, me and Cohen really haven't said anything about it. We're about to start an NBA podcast here in the next couple of weeks called The Association. Uh, I wish we could have started before the season. I wish we had thought of it before the yeah. season. So we could have kind of given out our predictions on there against each other. But who did you pick before the season started to win MVP? MVP, um, I kind of went away from the whole James Harden, Russell Westbrook, you know, kind of like fight for it every year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I didn't think LeBron was going to win it, but just because new team, you know, like he's kind of want to take a step back role. He wants to get more young guys involved and prove that he can be the player coach that he always wanted to be like outside of Cleveland. Um, I had like a few guys in mind, like I think maybe KD or Steph or like one of the Warriors guys would like put on just a exuberant performance this year and just run through the competition. Maybe a guy like Jokic, a guy who could take, just take a huge step up and just average 28, 10 and 10 as a big man. Like he does, like he passes so well. Um, and he could carry the nuggets to a real playoff seed this year. Um, or maybe someone like Kemba, maybe could just mm-hmm. take the, take the Hornets, you know, out of the cellar of the East and an embarrassingly bad team. Maybe he could step up and kind of grab hold of the horns. See, I think that's an interesting take. I don't think any of those guys personally will be able to win MVP. I picked Russell Westbrook just because I think he's going to take the thunder to that two seed in the West. And I think that's really what it comes down to is who's the best player that takes their team to the two seed in the West. Um, I mean, I was actually going to ask you for the next question if I thought if you think Kimball Walker could win NBA Most Improved Player after averaging 22 a game and making an All Star team. I mean, if he jumps from 22 to 31, I would take him to win Most Improved. But we'll we'll debate that in a second. But I actually think Giannis is. I mean, I picked With Russell Coach Westbrook. Bud, I said, that, that's a great but, combo. But I mean, the Bucks are undefeated right now. Giannis is clearly doing. I said it would be between those guys, between Davis, LeBron, Westbrook, Giannis, whoever gets their team kind of in that. Even honestly, even Kawhi, whoever gets their team in like that that two to the three, that two three seed range, and has the best stats out of all of them. I feel like it's whoever makes their team the best, you know. And I feel like that's what's going to determine it between all these superstars. Yeah, so. um, the, the the Raptors have been better than expected this year. So if Kawhi keeps this up. I could definitely see him in the conversation as well. Yeah, I mean, I thought the Raptors though would be this good this year. I think the East has four and a half really solid teams. I think the Pacers can be solid on certain nights, but I think the well, Bucks, Sixers, Celtics, and and uh, Raptors are all really solid teams. But going back to that Kimball Walker uh, question, you think he could win NBA Most Improved Player this year? No, um, I think that the players union and the people who vote on this, the media, the writers, us, Mm -hmm. we kind of hold Kemba in a very high regard already. So to say Mm -hmm. that he's most improved meant that he was not held in a high regard. I I, I don't think his career style is worthy of a most improved player. I, I, I think he's already disqualified himself by being so good already. I agree with you on that. I think he's just adjusted to the new playing style of the NBA. See, people were like, oh, the defense is even worse in the NBA this year. The games are so much more high scoring. First off, they don't realize these guys are so good now on offense. You, that it's you so have hard to, be good to guard on defense them. to get an, a, a, another possession. 
You know, like, yeah, people are like, oh, James Harden, Steph Curry don't play, don't play defense. Would you rather have James Harden or Steph Curry sit on the bench with four fouls, or would you rather have them in the game doing what they do best in debate? Like, it's so ridiculous. Yep. And also, the shot clock has only been going back to 14 seconds now this year, which a lot yep. of the other uneducated NBA fans don't realize, which leads to quicker shots, which mm-hmm. means a quicker game. You can't get that offensive rebound and kill another 20 seconds nope. and set, you know what I mean? You got to nope. go quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It makes a quicker game, you're playing, more you're, scores. You're playing up and down. more micro possessions than usual, which gives us as fans more offense to celebrate. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I would say let's keep going, but we've gone on for pretty long today, Cohen, and the Hawks just tipped off. So I want to go watch us yep. hopefully uh, beat the Caps for a second time hopefully this season. Not. But it's always a pleasure podcasting with you. All right, Thomas, um, you can find me on the Daily Degenerate podcast. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on all the other shit. Um, Other than that, you guys have a a great day, and hopefully some bets hit for you. Yeah, have a great day, guys. I hope some of y'all's bets hit as well. Follow me on Twitter at Odd Take.